the pre-post film review. I'm John Asquith. And I'm Matt Stevenson. So the way uh, things work here at Prepost is that we're going to talk about a film over two distinct periods. So first you're going to hear John and myself chat about the trailer for Dunkirk. Um, this part of the podcast is going to be spoiler free. We're just going to give our sort of expectations and impressions based on just the trailer. Uh, then the podcast will jump forward in time and you'll hear John and myself give a full review of the film after we've seen it. And that part is going to be chock full of spoilers, so don't listen to that until you've seen the full film itself. Uh, So here are our trailer thoughts for Dunkirk. What has happened is a colossal military disaster. We shall go on to the end. All right, so John, we've just watched the new teaser trailer. It's quite a brief teaser for Mm. Christopher Nolan's new film, Dunkirk. Uh, I'm curious to hear what your expectations are, given that we're both pretty big Nolan fans. Yeah, um, I think uh, just on a basic level, I'm very excited for this because it is Christopher Nolan. Um, and he hasn't tackled subject matter like this before. A big war epic, um, but he seemed very suited to doing something like this. Um, so it seemed right in his wheelhouse. And I kind of like that he's getting away from like the genre stuff, sci-fi, superhero, uh, uh, oh God. Um, Magicians. Yeah. Magicians, yeah, yeah, that old magician genre. Um, you know, there's no, there's no, this is a bad word to use, but there's no gimmick, you know, to this. It's, mm. it's a, a historical event. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's sort of war epic. So I'm excited. I'm excited. Uh, based on the, the teaser, um, I think it looks great. Uh, there's some beautiful, beautiful imagery, dark haunting imagery, uh, but beautiful nonetheless in this, um, doesn't show a lot, but su- suggests a lot, um, which every good teaser should do. So you've got the ticking of the clock, you've got the the um, siren slowly starting up, like the air raid s- siren. Um, you know, the suspense there it just is uh, palpable in in this teaser already. Um, and uh, I think I love the shots that it ends on this sort of long take of the, all the soldiers in that barge or wherever they are um on a pier i can't couldn't tell but uh you know and they slowly realize that that the uh, enemy is coming they all look up and huddle down um that's just so cool and and such a nolan shot you know he loves these sort of classic um i guess you'd say spielberg-esque kind of shots um yeah it feels very classic and he is quite a classic filmmaker in that sense so yeah I'm really excited. I think I think it looks great. That's all I need, you know. Mm. And I'm I'm sold on this movie just with those those few shots and knowing that Nolan's behind it. Uh, what do you think, Matt? Uh, yeah, I agree. I mean, this is what a teaser should be, right, John? This is a teaser. Yes. It's good. It's a nice change to have something that's just a few little shots. Doesn't really tell you much, but gives you a, a taste of the tone of the film, the kind of look that Nolan's going for. Um, yeah, I think it, I think it looks really good. The the ticking clock 
in particular sort of like building suspense that feels very claustrophobic. It's reminiscent of his other... I feel like he's, that sort of ticking clocky sound has been used in Dark Knight or, you know, maybe multiple yep. other films. Dark Knight made. and Inception. Yeah. So it's like a, a Nolan trope at this stage, I guess, but a good one, I think. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I think it bodes well that such a simple, like, series of shots could be so effective. Mm. Um, I will say that I'm not overly excited about another World War Two film. I mean, if I had to, even though you, like you said, it's good to see him getting away from genre filmmaking, particularly like superheroes and all that sort of stuff. Not that he ever made the traditional superhero films, but, you know. No, but um, he's been in, in genre filmmaking for a long time now. Yeah. So I, I would agree that it's good to see him try something different, but if I had to pick, my pick wouldn't be World War Two film. Um, I feel, you know, that's sort of a, a genre that's been, or a, a topic that's been done, done to death a little bit. Um, but I guess if, if there is someone that's going to have a crack at it, uh, I'd happily see Nolan do it more, you know, sooner than anyone else. Um, so I, I guess my hope is that he can bring something to the table that is a little bit different. I think, that you know, the very least, his love for practical effects and, you know, shooting on film and everything will give it a look and a texture that most war films don't have. You know, there, there won't be, like, CGI planes flying around everywhere. I think it'll look very gritty and real. Mm. Um, no, it won't look like so. red tails, is what you're saying. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm excited. I'm not, like, mega pumped, but, yeah. you know... Uh, it, because it's a Nolan film, I'm always going to be excited for a Nolan film, and the, the trailer bodes well. So mm. I think it's going to be good. I don't think it'll be like my favourite Nolan film. I think it'll be a solid entry into his filmography. The call went out. We have to go to Dunkirk. Ready on the stern line. What are you doing? You know where we're going. Into war, George. I'll be useful, sir. One of ours. He's on me. I'm on him. Okay, here we are. We've escaped the beaches, the chilly, chilly beaches of Dunkirk. <laughs> and we've got a nice blanket around us and a little apple and some beer <laughs> and a train. Uh, that happens at the end of the movie. Um, <laughs> and anyway, we're going to talk about Dunkirk is what's going to happen now. Uh, we've seen the film. Uh, we were, we're pretty positive going into this one, Matt. Um, mm-hmm. You know, as we always say, it's exciting when Christopher Nolan has a new film out. Um, so let's just jump straight in. What were your uh, general thoughts on Dunkirk? Yeah, well, I've seen Dunkirk twice now, um, which I think helped a bit. It helped me sort of like solidify my thoughts on the film a little bit more. I still think I'm trying to process parts of how I feel. Um, But like you said, I was super excited going in. I pretty much liked every single thing Nolan's done. Um, I had, you know, some issues with Interstellar, which you can listen to on our (laughs) Interstellar episode, but overall liked it. Um, And I also, I I really, I guess off the bat, I do really like Dunkirk. I sort of had mixed emotions with both screenings. On, on one hand, there's something just 
utterly impressive about how it's kind of just the purest form of expression that he's ever done. He's kind of like the the things that I had problems with in Interstellar, like him him trying to get too emotional or uh, sort of fumbling through themes of love and that sort of thing mm. that he never sort of sat well with him. He's just completely disregarded all that. And it's like, this. it's almost an art film in some ways, right? Mm. Like there's no plot, basically. There's barely any character development. Half the film's like a silent film. It's almost like, you know, a, a, telling a story in the purest cinematic sense possible, mm-hmm. um, which I love. Um, and the filmmaking, like technically, he, his filmmaking skill is just incredible. Um, and we were talking about after seeing it uh, the first time, and he just understands tension. You know, like mm. he knows how to make some. Just trying to like line up some crosshairs onto a, a you know another plane ten times more tense than you mm. know anything in any sort of big. CGI filled Transformers film or you know superhero film um, he just really understands like the craft of cinema um, but ha- having said that this is kind of like just under two hours of nothing but tension you know like which is in itself impressive but I think also wears a bit thin or perhaps could have you know done with something a little bit more maybe um, so I'm kind of in two minds. Part of me loves that it is, it has the balls to not give us any of that. But then at the same time, especially seeing it a second time, you, I kind of felt, mm. especially when you know what's going to happen, you feel that there's nothing much beyond the constant tension. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, I think it's an incredible film and I would pretty much recommend it to anyone just as a, a cinematic experience mm. um, for sure. But I'm not 100% sort of sure where I fall within his filmography. Like, I love it, but I don't know whether it's sort of up the top end or in the middle um, at mm. this point. Um, what about you, John? How did you feel? Um, yeah, I think uh, you raised some really good points there and we're probably... On, on a similar wavelength, as always. Um, I think this film is mostly just incredible. I think, mm-hmm. uh, particularly from a technical standpoint, it, it a- as you said, it feels like an art film more than, say, an action war movie or a um, historical emotional retelling of an event. It, it, it still has that... Christopher Nolan coldness, I would say, that detachment. Mm-hmm. Um, but that works for this movie and for what he was trying to do, I think, which is just assault you, assault your senses um, and really make you feel like you've gone through something by the time the film ends. Um, and that plays to the strengths and the weaknesses of the film. As you say, like... It kind of starts at 10 and stays there for pretty much most of the movie. There's a few little bits of respite, um, and there are a few little dialogue moments, but yeah, mostly it is Hans Zimmer's score, you know, pounding, and um, just this beautiful technical feat of um, photography that that he pulls off, cinematography. Um, Mm. So I think on a visceral level... It's incredible. Um, 
and when it was over, I did feel a bit exhausted, you know, like mm. I needed, like going outside where it was quiet, it, like there was, a, there was a, a difference, like my brain needed like a little break. Um, I think where it, it falls apart a little bit is um, I the, the narrative structure of each, the sort of three main storylines or three main um timelines that we're following Mm -hmm. and that that crossover didn't work for me i think the movie would be better without that stuff that that would have belonged more in interstellar or inception and i think it's this is a total guess but i have a feeling that's something that christopher nolan wanted to do and just thought he'd like put it in this war movie that he was making because it didn't fit for me. Um, I admire the courage of doing it, but I think it hurts the film and it feels a little bit like, you know, he's trying to be too clever for what the film is. And I think the film is an experiment in making you feel like you're, you're going through this harrowing, frightening Mm. experience that is relentless as war is. Um, and to have that timeline stuff on top, it's like you're doing the mental puzzle of that as well. And uh, yeah, that, that just didn't sit right with me. It doesn't ruin the film, but mm. um, yeah, I didn't like it. And I didn't think it was, it was explained very well. Or it's not until sort of halfway through the movie that you really understand what's going on. Um, and yeah, uh, unless I'm just slow, and I probably am, but... You know, you get those titles quickly at the start that are like one day, one week, one Yes, month, one or, week, one day, one hour. Yeah. One hour, yeah. Yeah, and I didn't quite understand. Like, I, I, I guessed, like, is this what's going on? But it wasn't, yeah, as I say, until halfway through the movie that that yeah. actually clicked into place oh, for definitely. me. And yeah, yeah. if that was like because they were traveling through time or there was some sci-fi element, I think that's a really cool idea. But yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure that it worked for this. So, I don't know, I, I maybe I sound too negative, I think I, I was in awe of the movie when I was watching it, and I was, I saw it, I didn't see it at IMAX, but I saw it at 70mm uh, projection, and um, it was just gorgeous. Like, the, yeah. it, it, as you say, I would recommend it to anyone to see at the theatre, because it is, it is, Definitely. you know, a, a one-of-a-kind experience that, that Christopher Nolan delivers every time, and very few other filmmakers are now. I mean, that... The language of film that he uses is, is very classical um, and he has such a reverence for the history of cinema. And I was, I was thinking actually when I was watching this, um, you know, talking about how it feels almost like a bit like an art film. Um, it, it feels like something that would be in, there, there was this great TV series that we both watched, Matt, called The History of Film. Or the story of film. Story of film, I think. Something like that. Anyway, it went through it. It went. It was very in depth, kind of like you know, university level standard of like film history. And this feels like something you would see in that, where mm. it's like this slightly esoteric take on a war movie. It's not pulling at your heartstrings. It's not going for melodramatic moments at all. Um, it's experimenting with cinema uh, to tell. To, to give you a sense of what it's like to be in this environment. But it, but it is, yeah, experimental idea. Like, I, and I didn't expect mm. that going in, that, that, that it's a cinematic experiment um, and less, it's less concerned with the plot um, compared to his other films in particular, the, the more recent ones we could have just yeah. like 
plot and character overload almost. Um, yeah, it gets a bit bogged down in plot, or it has in recent years. I mean, I've yeah. loved it all, but you know, you, there is an argument to be made about something like Inception or even The Prestige is just so plotty, plot. Yes. Yeah. Um, this is the exact yeah. opposite. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Um, so yeah, I don't. I don't know. I'm. I'm a little bit mixed. Mostly, you know, very positive, and I'd, I'd say this is in the upper echelon of, of his work, um, just because of. But just mainly because on the technical level, I gotta yeah, say, like incredible. for me, that's good enough. Um, I, you know, there's so many shots in this that you're just in awe of, and so much of it is practical. I don't know how they filmed mm. some of these shots. Like, um, yeah. yeah, it's amazing. I don't know. What, um, do you, what do you think of the time stuff? Yeah, you... it's funny that you bring that up because I I disagree with that. Like, that okay. I really liked the time structure, but I had the same experience as you. Like, I didn't know that. I didn't understand the one week, one day, one hour when it came up. And it mm. took, you know, it's not until you sort of see Killian Murphy's character the second time in the boat, sort of trying to, re- you know, not shell-shocked, um, mm. that you kind of get or start to get a picture of how this is working. But I actually, I thought it was like a really interesting way of exploring the, the tension of war and how like different parts or, you know, different aspects of the war are like terrifying in their own way you know so being a man on the ground you have to spend like weeks or you know a week of like in constant fear of your life but being up in the air you have like most of the time doing nothing and then you just have one hour of like constant terror or like on the sea it's like that time period is in the middle you only have like a day or whatever around that is different I really liked it it was felt like it was kind of exploring that temporal side of things and yeah not, that makes I feel sense. like I also feel like if it didn't have that structure I know it, you know it is a bit of a, a gimmick or a bit of a trick um the lack of narrative or you know lack of any story or character would have been much more obvious and mm. I think potentially a bit boring or you know well you you would have felt it a lot more if you at least if you didn't have this sort of puzzle to mm. click together at the same time um so I really enjoyed that. And like, I also don't want to come off as sounding negative either. Like you said, I, I really loved the film. And, when, you know, it, it almost... Part of me wants to sort of declare it the best thing he's ever made just because of the purity of yeah. it. And it's just like... Yeah, I'm up there it, with it you. It could be yeah. the yeah the best thing he's ever, ever done. Yeah. But then part of me is pulling me in the opposite direction, just saying, you know, maybe it needs some, you know, character or other little bits and pieces which sort of contradicts what I appreciate about the art filmness mm. of it. I, I'm mm. just very conflicted, John. I'm very conflicted. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> now, that's that's exactly how I feel. Um, I think you, re- you raise a good point about the the time. Like, it, 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 in, in that sense, it, do- it all fits together. Um, mm. And in particular, like, the movie does start... We talked about this in the trailer. The movie starts with the sound of a ticking clock. Yeah. Um, and it's it comes back again throughout the movie quite a lot. It's almost um, about time, or it's about you know. It is, yeah, yeah it totally is. Um, and so I can't fault it for for not being consistent. If you're looking for an emotional connection as well, that structure takes away from that further than adding to it. I feel like, like yeah, it's, it adds to the coldness because it's more of a, a like logic puzzle than it is like an emotional letting you emotionally engage with the film. Mm. Mm. Um, yeah, I mean, have, having said that, there I was emotionally engaged a couple of times. Um, I think, um, you know, there's hardly any dialogue in the movie, but um, 
Mark Rylance does He's great. a very good job. Like that guy just oozes like charm and heart and yeah and nobleness. Um, even when he's playing like a Russian spy in Bridge of Spies, yeah. um, he, he's he's very good in this, and he's he's like sort of an every a noble every man that you sort of latch onto, um, and uh, yeah, he's, he's quite an inspiring figure. Um, Definitely. There's also a moment where all all the sort of um, civilian ships turn True. up uh, and the music swells it's like the only time the music gets a bit heroic um, and I, I yeah I felt quite emotional then and I, I imagine if you were British and and quite sort of attached to this story that would be you know quite an emotional moment as well definitely I also um, think yeah. like it's it's refreshing to see a film where the heroic act isn't like winning the battle you know what I mean? Mm. Like, uh, I like that it's taking an event, which I guess, not that I knew much about what happened at Dunkirk, but presumably no, was seen as a failure, you know, something cowardly where they had to retreat and they were crushed by the enemy mm. um, into some, like, it's finding the positivity and the he- heroism in... I really love you that, know, yeah. People, civilians coming to help, and it's yep. more about helping your fellow man other than as opposed yes. to, like killing the enemy you know that yeah I, exactly I really really and and merely surviving yeah you know they have those i really like at the end where the harry styles weirdly is in this movie <laughs> although he does a good job he does um but he's ashamed you know he's like we, we didn't do anything all we did is escape yeah and that the older blind man who's handing out the coats or whatever says you know that's enough son or yeah. something like that yeah uh, i really like that i thought that was a great little motif of the movie that, well, yeah um, I, mean, I think that's yeah. The other thing, right? Like, it's one about time, but it's also sort of like a um, an examination or, or an argument against cowardice, or you know, you know, sort mm. of like arguing that that what happened wasn't cowardice, or like retreating isn't an act of cowardice. You know, like mm. it puts mm-hmm. you in that situation, so you realize, like, if I was on that fucking beach, I would be getting the fuck out of there. You know, yeah. Like they yeah. do not feel like what they're doing is. Um, something to be scorned like it, there is something no heroic about just managing to survive the shit yeah. that they went through absolutely yeah yeah and it's interesting to see all the different ways particularly the guys uh, the, the, the foot soldiers that are on the beach and they carry you know at the start they're carrying the stretcher to kind of like sneak on um, yeah. and then they miss out that way and you know there's like this series of it's almost like Castaway or something it's like this survival movie you know where they're trying all these different little experiments to to just and they get keep off sort of, the damn beach yeah slightly get off the beach and then they're back on the fucking beach like yeah, the next yeah. morning or whatever because they had the ship sunk or whatever mm, um, mm. that's very true um, and it's I just I think that's oh, oh, you go uh, I was just going to say um on the idea of how it's not about victory in the traditional sense and about killing the enemy, I thought it was a great choice to never show the enemy either. You always have bullets flying at you, but you never see where they're coming from. Um, you never cut yep. away to like some Germans, uh, you know, planning things or whatever. Um, even in that great opening sequence where the leaflets come down and. Oh, they're getting shot at as they're trying to climb over the... I mean, I, I was in love with the movie at that point, like, straight Definitely. away. Like, it is such a strong opening. Um, yeah. Yeah it's, yeah, it's such a bold and but brilliant decision not showing... Like, not ever mm. cutting to a German firing a gun. Like, ever. Yeah. Because 
it just heightens the threat of that. Like, it, it's mm. like the, the, the classic horror movie thing that, you know, whatever you don't show is scarier than what you see, exactly. right? Like, the, yeah. not knowing where they are, but knowing they're right there. The, the presence is so suffocating. Like, it just feels mm-hmm. like they could be behind, just behind the dunes there, you know, like... Yeah, the, the, exactly. You never see him, but the presence is constantly felt throughout the film, which I guess is also a testament just to his control of the suspense and the score, which is like yeah. borderline um, horror film score, really. Like it's yes, yeah, really, really, yeah, almost frightening at times. Mm. Yeah, um, it is. Yeah, but yeah, you're absolutely right. I I loved that choice not to show the joke. Like just talking about this with you now is making me like bump it up and yeah, know, same. <laughs> Maybe it is his best film, John. It's just so pure and so good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, I don't it, know. It is, yeah, I, th- I think... Yeah, it, yeah. I, it, oh man, I can't speak because I'm thinking <laughs> of five different things to say. Just, just slow down, John. Um, singing the praises, now I'm going to switch back for a second because thinking about that and thinking about how good it is and just deciding whether it's up there with some of his best work or perhaps his best. Um, I'm curious what you thought of the very end because it, it ends in a strange way, I think, um, with the the young foot soldiers are on the train. I liked mm-hmm. that stuff and the guy gives them the beers through the window and um, he starts reading the newspaper and it's, it's they're going through that whole thing about how it's actually heroic to just to survive. And, um, but then you have Tom Hardy, uh, landing the plane, um, and getting captured. Yep. Uh, so I, I guess the idea is that he made the ultimate sacrifice in the end, cause he's probably not getting away from there. Mm. Um, but then there's, there's this image of the plane burning and it, cuts to black and then there's like one second of um our sort of main young lead looking up from the newspaper and then that's the end of the film and i didn't know what to make of that and i still don't i'm still not quite sure he seems to have some kind of realization or something um but it's you know that's obviously a very specific way to end the film and there's a purpose behind it but i can't decipher what what's going um, on there I agree with you. It's very odd. And the, like the shot is almost like very, very slightly just too short, you know, like yeah. it just, yeah. he kind of just looks up and you expect it to go on for just like, just, you know, half a second longer would be a normal edit size or something, but exactly. then it just cuts to black and it cuts on a weird sound effect. This is weirdly specific, but it cuts to black on like this weird, like slight, like scrunch of a newspaper sound effect. Yes. Like it's really yeah. odd. Yeah. Um, I have no idea either, but I kind of love it because it, adds to that like art filmy feel of it like i love the ballsiness of it that he's ending this big hollywood film on a strange little note like that um i think i mean on the surface you i I think you're right like there's some sort it does seem like he has some realization maybe it's as simple as him just sort of acknowledging the fact that he shouldn't feel Mm. bad about escaping or you know something as simple as that I, I don't know I haven't really come to a decision either but I totally agree it's a very strange mm. strange way did it did it work for you or did it not work for you did it annoy you yeah I admire uh, as you said the idea of the balls of it but I'm not sure I want I want mm. to think about it and yeah 
try and but that's link a good it. thing, right? Like to leave you on it a note a that thing. makes you want to think, as opposed to just, I don't yeah. know, watching the plane burn or you know some. Action yeah, for note. sure, for sure. Yeah, no, that's very true. The only um, like, if yeah. we're gonna talk about, be a bit critical, I suppose. There's only two th- two sort of things I would bring up. Um, one is the ending on the speech, which feels a little, you know, cliche. Like you know, mm. the, to end a war film on a heroic speech is mm. very familiar territory. Um, mm. Though, you know, on a second viewing, I appreciate it a bit more, just given that the content of the speech wasn't your normal no, heroic yeah. speech that you hear. Um, and I guess it is kind of nice just to verbalise some of those themes to, mm. you know, hammer them home. <laughs> Maybe, mm. you know, potentially not necessarily, not necessary, but, you know, I think it's, it's, it's not too bad. The only other thing that, um, well... One, I can't... The only other Hollywoody thing is that as soon as that uh, that kid, like, jumps on the boat, it's like, I you knew nothing good was going to come of it. Like, that was, <laughs> that was a little bit predictable. Um, mm. Well, either one of two things. Either he was going to do something amazing and, like, save the day, or he was going to die. Mm. That was, like, the only two ways yeah. that little plot was going to pan out. Um, yeah. But having said that, I really enjoyed um, the way the, the sort of that played out with Killian Murphy's character and the way yes, they dealt with too. it. And when he mm. sort of tells him that he's going to be fine after he dies, that moment yeah. is an incredible, like little D- yeah. piece of cinema. Um, I, and then, I love, loved that moment. Actually, that that's probably speaking earlier about emotional moments. I almost teared up actually at that point because he's, it is a really good moment. It, it's such a, a mercy that he's giving yeah. this, this yeah. man who's been through so much. Um, yeah, I found that really effective. Especially given the scene before when he, like, loses it at him, saying how yeah. he's not going to be okay, or, you know, he hurt him or whatever. Yes. I can't remember what he exactly yeah. says, but he sort of, mm. that young kid loses it for the first time and mm. sort of screams at Killian Murphy. It's a, it's a good um, sort of end. Well, actually, I also like the very end of that little story is when Killian Murphy sort of finally gets off the ship and he looks back and sees them take the body off on the stretcher mm. and then mm. the boy turns to look at him and he's just gone in the crowd yeah, like it's in the crowd such yep. a beautiful little i don't know poetic beat to that mm-hmm. little story and not the way yeah. you normally think it would play out either of those scenes in a normal hollywood film where it would be a big emotional mm-hmm. screaming exactly. match or you know some meltdown or you know what i mean like yeah it's just yeah. a really nice he quiet end yeah mm. and and has to be one of the, you know, thousands and thousands of, of soldiers that came back that, that just has to deal now with this yeah, horrific exactly. stuff that they've been through. And you know that's that he's going to struggle with that. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, and the only other thing I would say is on the second viewing, this was a bit more apparent. I think it might have sort of played into the first viewing, but I wasn't really aware of it, is that um, there's... And it ties in as well to you saying what you said before about it sort of starting at 11 and staying at that level of intensity, that there's not really a build to anything big. Mm. And it seems to set it up slightly. Like they pick up, when they pick up Killian Murphy's character off the the wreckage of the ship, which is a great shot, like very evocative, him kind of like crouching there in the cold mm. wind as they come up. It looks yeah, great. It amazing. almost looks like Batman or something with his little cloak yeah. flapping in the wind. Um, <laughs> yeah. But then when, like, his reaction to going back to Dunkirk, he's like, Mm. I'm not going back. We're going to die. And, like, once you know, like, the time, like, starting to play with time, 
I was, I just wanted to know what the fuck happened to him. Like, something horrible must have happened. But you kind of like, I don't, I don't even quite understand how he ended up on that boat. Like, because he was on the rowboat, like, going back. And like, what, what, he seemed fine at that point. And then, I, I don't, I mean, presumably he rowed back to get more survivors. Because that was, he talks about, it was a torpedo. So presumably that was the yeah. ship that he was talking mm. about that, that gave him such a horrific experience but it, mm-hmm. I don't know it seems like there's a bit of a disconnect there and yeah. also the the moment when all the timelines actually converge which is like when the bomber bombs that like carrier ship or whatever and it sort of capsizes and then the oil sets fire mm. I feel like that's meant to be like the sort of crescendo of the film like all the time periods meet you know you've seen yeah. what happens to all three of the your characters that you care about but it doesn't in terms of actual like content of what's happening doesn't mm. feel any more intense than anything no, else that's been happening around it. Doesn't. it doesn't, yeah. Um, which I think is a missed opportunity. Like, if you could have come up or even just shot it in a way that felt much grander or something, like, it would mm-hmm. have helped with that sort of flow of intensity throughout the film. Yeah. Um, no, I totally agree. It's a little bit of a missed opportunity, I guess. But maybe that's the point. Yeah. Maybe he didn't want to do that. Maybe he wanted it just... It's meant to be that same level of intensity the whole way through because yeah. that's kind of what it was like there was no moment that was bigger than the rest it's just like war was horrific yeah. the whole time and you're always yeah. tense yeah <laughs> I don't it's know. always on you're always on 10 when you're yeah. in yeah. Yeah, it's exactly. just shit constantly <laughs> shit all the time yeah exactly but I mean I mean that's pretty like minor yeah criticism. do you know what I mean like it, it, it's still such an achievement of a film it really is, and we probably sound maybe too negative or something. Um, mm. But, yeah, it, it, it is an incredible, incredible film, and I think it, it's going to be studied, and and yeah. uh, it doesn't seem to be making, like, the pop culture impact that something like Saving Private Ryan would. Mm. But, again, that is the complete opposite style of storytelling, which is yep. very... Um, uh, I don't want to say melodramatic because I love that movie, but it certainly pulls on that sort of American idea of war and honor and heroes. Yeah. Uh, and this is, you know, as I said before, almost like a, a an experiment in film and an experiment in storytelling. Um, so I think, yeah, culturally it might not have that impact, but in terms of cinema and film lovers, um, yeah, I think it's going to have a huge one. And, and it could could be, you know up at the peak of mm. of what Christopher Nolan's doing. It, it makes me... Like, I don't want him to go back to doing a conventional story now. Like, I want him to push <laughs> yeah. further, you know? Definitely. Keep making these sort of slightly strange, um, unconventional films because he's got, he's got the clout and he's got the name that he can do it on such a big scale and get people into the cinema to see something that's a little bit different and that's, that's really cool. Yeah, 100% agree. Um... I, yeah, I'm so curious what he's going to do next. I can't. Yeah. I mean, I always say we can't wait, but now I really can't wait. Yeah, exactly. I mean, this yeah. is—it's just a really good sign. It feels like he's maturing as a filmmaker. It mm-hmm. feels like he's almost like addressing every criticism directly that I had with Interstellar. You know, like yeah. he's really interested in doing something different or playing to his strengths. I guess is mm. what this film does. Like he's mm-hmm. really nailing what he does best. So mm. yeah, man, I'm pumped to see what comes next.
Thanks for listening to this episode of the Pre-Post Film Review. Uh, we'd love to hear what you guys thought of Dunkirk. Uh, did you find that a, a technical marvel like me and Matt, did you sort of admire its ambition or did it leave you feeling a bit uh, frustrated or perhaps even a bit bored? Um, we'd love to hear. So you can send us an email at prepostfilmreview at gmail.com and uh, we reply to every email we get. So we do. why not send one in? would be awesome uh we're also on facebook you can find us over there and comment send us a message that's another way you can sort of engage with john and myself we're also on twitter we're at prepostfr uh, occasionally sort of post news stories and new episodes and bits and pieces um and the most important thing is subscribe so you can subscribe to us on whatever platform you're using to listen to our voices right now we're on uh stitcher and itunes anywhere you can find podcasts um, and if you like the show leave us a review that would be uh, greatly appreciated that would be that would be great uh, you can also find us on Letterboxd uh, which we have links to in the show notes uh, that's a good way to keep in touch with what else we've been watching and uh, start your own little film diary of sorts um, and uh, yeah that's a great little website you can join us next episode when we're going to be talking about the new Planet of the Apes film, War for the Planet of the Apes, should be a uh, interesting discussion. Uh, I did feel a bit bad for uh, the lead, old mate, the lead character, because he just couldn't take a shit throughout the whole film. Oh, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> must have yeah, been just dying that. to go by the end. Man, he, he probably just did it at some point. Yeah, like, I guess so. There's dead he would have, like, everywhere. Sh- literally shit himself multiple times, probably. Yeah, yeah exactly. Like... I'm sure they all were, yeah. <laughs> uh, we would love it if you would join us on our next episode... Which, oh, fuck, I talk suddenly. <laughs> Jesus. Um, right. <clears throat> uh, you can join us on. No, I don't need to. Forget the join. Forget the join. The join doesn't usually, work. Right, what? Listen. Do we? What? I listen. Think say, yeah. Join us next episode. I think so. That's oh normal. yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The join's back in. <laughs> um, just keep it simple. Imagine something just called clapping, slapping. Slapping. Well, it really is, isn't it? Slapping your Slap hands. Your hands. It makes it sound like you're like doing this or something. It's something like, like wet weird, about weird it. Yeah. yeah, it is. Something kind of gross. <laughs> what a weirdo. Oh, fuck. Some weird guy that calls clapping slapping. Everyone was slapping. They were so impressed. What? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> oh fuck, I've lost it. Alright. <clears throat>